This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 91. And the quote of the day is from Elon Musk, who said, if something is important enough, you should try it, even if the probable outcome is failure. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Rafini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. And this is a little bit different of a, of a show, and I'm going to start doing these. These are Ask Rafini shows. And what they are is messages. I get tons and tons and tons of emails and messages on Facebook and on Twitter and all that stuff. And rather than just emailing the person back or sending the person the message back, I'd rather take those questions and put them into the podcast because I think a lot of people have some really good questions. And I think that I could share the answers to these questions with everybody on the podcast. And that way, everybody gets a benefit out of it. So I'm going to be doing these. And if you have questions yourself, shoot me an email at questions at drummersresource.com or shoot me a message on Facebook. Or if you're on Twitter, just use the hashtag ask. Ruffini, R-U-F-F-I-N-I, so that way I can find the questions. So let's get into the first question. So Brett asks, hey Nick, I just thought I would throw this out there. I'm only 15 years old, but my band is actually one of the most well-known within its community. Lately, we've been writing our own stuff and like to play anything from soft rock to metal. We can always... Excuse me. We can always seem to find gigs where we would play things such as covers, but I was wondering how to get some people to come out and watch us perform our original stuff. I know that CDs and releasing some songs can be a good promotional tool considering we've been in the studio lately, but I don't know if releasing a song here and there is a good idea or if we should wait until the record is done. So my advice is that if this is exactly what I did with, with my band for years was we would play shows and we would play half covers and half originals uh, well actually we started off playing all covers and then we would throw in a couple more originals and then it got to the point where we were playing maybe you know half originals and half covers and then we slowly graduated to playing 75 percent originals and 25 percent covers and you know and then we kind of left it at usually like the 80 20 mark so most of our shows we played 80 percent originals 20 percent covers depending on how long it was you know how long the how long the uh, the set times were but that's a really really good way to get yourself out there and to draw people in with the covers and then, you know, they're there listening to your originals as well and let people know that it's an original tune and, you know, that if they want to pick it up on the CD, maybe you do have the CDs there that, that you can that you can give away or sell depending on how you want to do that. Um, you know, that is something that that really, really worked for us. And there's a band called Bad Fish that got really, really big playing Sublime covers but they also had another band called Scotty Don't, and it was the same exact guys in the band. And Scotty Don't would open for Bad Fish, which is kind of a crazy concept, but it's the same guys, but they're in a band called Johnny Don't, and they played all their originals. All the people were there to see, you know, the Sublime songs. So the state or, you know, the club is packed 
and they play their their original tunes in the beginning and everybody hears them and then they leave and then they come back on and then they play all their bad fish tunes. So it was a great way to get their original music out to the masses, but drawing them in with covers and songs that they knew. So that's a really good way to do it is to mix covers and originals and um, and then slowly start to make that switch into all originals or, you know, whatever percentage you want. So I hope that helps. And let's go to the next question. Seth asks, I live in an apartment with my wife, so practicing set is out of the question. What are some good practices that I can do to build me up on set and gain the confidence needed to put myself out there? One thing I lack is confidence when looking at other drummers who are making things happen with their drumming careers. Well, Seth, here's the thing. There's, you know, not to, not to, uh, you know, make you feel bad about this, but there, there's not much that you can do to replace the kit long term. So if you're, you know, if, if you're on vacation or you, you don't have, you can't practice for a few weeks or something like that, there's definitely exercises that you can do. You can play on your hands, you know, play on your feet. Um, but long term, you got to find a way to get behind the kit. And that's the only way you're really going to improve your skills on the kit is being behind the kit and playing. So and the one way that you get over the confidence of playing live is playing live more. Uh, I've never been I've never been afraid to play live. I, I love playing live. Um, but I've been in bands with people, you know, who when they started were were really timid to play live. And that's just the thing that comes with time. So as you the more and more you play live, the more and more you get comfortable with it, the more you get comfortable with it, the, you know, the, the more confidence you get. But as far as going back to the kit, uh, I think that you got to figure out some way to practice on a kit, whether it's an electric kit or whether you find a place. I'm, I, I don't know where you live, but if you can find a place. I live in an apartment as well. I, I, I live in the city. So I have a studio that I rent that I can go and practice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So that's an option for you. Or maybe, you know, you have friends who have a drum set or something like that, but you definitely got to get behind the kit. So short term, yeah, you can practice hands and feet and all that stuff and you can practice on a pad. I definitely suggest you should be practicing on a pad, especially if you're not doing any kit work to at least keep your hands fresh and, and you know, get them get them up up to speed. But long term, you got to find a way to get behind a kit, like I said, whether it's electronic or an acoustic kit. So I hope that helps. And let's go on to the next one. This is from Ben that says, I was wondering what the most effective way to contact people to expand your network. Would cold calling be more professional rather than an email? Just wondering your opinion. Thank you. Ben, here's here's my thing. I always uh, I'm a big fan of reaching out to people. You know, I, I email people. I send them Twitter messages. I send them messages on Facebook. I talk to them at the club. I don't know. I mean, cold calling people you know, depends on like where you're getting their number from. And, you know, I think that not, I think that emailing somebody or, or Facebook or Twitter or something like that is totally a less invasive way of, you know, of, uh, of connecting the person, uh, connecting to the person. You I don't think you want to just call the person and say, Hey man, this is, this is Joe from down the street. You know, do you want to talk? Uh, I think it's a little bit awkward and it's a little bit intrusive. So I would suggest just reaching out and, and, you know, asking, asking if they would like to get together for coffee or, or, or something like that. Um, but building your network is something that you have to do by giving value first. So think of ways that you can help these people. And a good way to connect with people is, is, you know, if they have a show coming up or they have some stuff going on, 
sort of help them promote that. So men- mention it on Facebook, mention it on Twitter, things like that, and tag them in the posts or you know, if there's, um, if you know that they're coming to your favorite town, maybe reach out and say, Hey, you know, I know that you're coming into town. Um, or, or even if they live in town, you know, I know that you're playing at this spot. Do, do you have flyers you want me to hang up? Do you want me to, uh, to help you promote the show a little bit or, or anything like that? So I think cold calling is a little bit intrusive, but totally emailing and, and texting and, Facebooking is great as long as you're not asking for something right away. Like you don't want to email this person and say, hey, uh, I know that you play at this place every Thursday. Can you give me a gig? That's a little heavy. Um, but that's a great way to to uh, to network is just to to reach out and just, you know, ask if you can help out a little bit. So that's my opinion on that. And the next question is from Steve, who said, a lot of people ask me how to get gigs out of their local scene. I know the best way is to network with bands from different areas and also network with their fans. Show swapping is huge everywhere, especially for new local acts. Maybe touch on how some of these new bands can obtain gigs in different cities and also how to plan a mini tour of your province state. Now, one... um, Getting gigs out of the local scene, it's a little tricky because you don't have you probably don't have an established fan base in that area. And the the best way that I have done this with my band is I have, you know, contacted all of these clubs, explained the situation that we're we're from out of town and that we want to get on a bill opening for for someone. Uh, show swapping is cool. Like, you know, if I get somebody a gig in Philly and they get me a gig in Florida, that's cool. But unless you're playing with someone in Florida who draws a crowd, there's not really going to be anybody there. So I always try to connect with bands that come through your town and maybe talk about doing shows with them. Um, you know, not necessarily, not necessarily playing by yourself, but playing with other bands that already have established followings. And, you know, you mentioned show shop show swapping, um, in, in this email. And I think that that's a great way that you can, you can get in front of their fans. They can get in front of yours, but you got to do it together. You got to make sure that you're doing it together. Like, Hey, we're going to play a show in Philly. Why don't you come play with us? And, you know, and then go up to, or go down to Florida and play together as well. Uh, the other thing touching on touring a little bit, a lot of people start touring, I think a little prematurely and they do it incorrectly and they end up shooting themselves in the foot. So a lot of people are, you know, I hear a ton of bands that are saying, okay, we're just going to go on tour and we're going to drive from, you know, from Philly all the way across the country and we're going to play all these, all these venues. It's a fantastic time and I've done it numerous times, but it's it's sort of a waste of time and sort of a waste of money if you're not doing it strategically. So these mini tours that you're talking about, they have to be they have to be strategically planned that you're gradually growing the the distance that you're traveling. So if you start even if you're say I always use the East Coast because that's where I'm from, but if you start in Pennsylvania, you want to get some surrounding towns outside of Pennsylvania into Delaware, Delaware, into New Jersey, stuff like that, and slowly start to spiral out and get that circle bigger and bigger and bigger rather than saying we're going to play in Maryland, North Carolina, Virginia, Georgia, and Florida. Now, once you start getting those, getting that, that circle a little bit better then head to the West coast and do the same thing. Say, okay, we're going to try a gig in LA and 
you know, right around those surrounding areas and then come back to the East Coast and play that circle again and then go back to the West Coast and play. And gradually that circle is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's also going to have more and more fans, more and more fans, you know, as long as the music is good and you're engaging with your fans and all that. So uh, getting back to the original question of getting gigs out of town, I think that it's really important to get in touch with the promoters that live up there, getting or, you know, in that area, getting touch, getting in touch with other bands that are in that area, clubs and, you know, coming across professionally and explaining the, what the situation is. You don't want to pull the wool over their eyes. You don't want to say we can bring 150 people to your club and then you get there and you bring three because you'll never play that place again. So be honest with them, be upfront with them. And, you know, sometimes we got on a lot of bills where the venues were already sold out anyway. So it we weren't responsible for bringing more people, but it put us in front of more people. Um, and then, you know, if you do well, then maybe you can get another night there and then you kind of you kind of start working it out but it's a slow bleed it's a, you know it's a slow process and but you got to do it so uh, I hope that helped and I hope you guys got something out of all of these questions I'm going to keep this short it's about you know 13 14 15 minutes somewhere around there and like I said if you have questions shoot me an email at questions at drummersresource.com shoot me a message on Facebook or on Twitter use the hashtag ask Rufini R-U-F-F-I-N-I And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening as always, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.